Welcome back to Hopeful Harvest Seekers. This is Abby. On today's podcast, we're going to be continuing on talking about the spiritual gift of healing. So if you would, grab your Bibles, a cup of coffee, and let's jump right in. Welcome back, friends. Glad that you're joining me today. As I am recording this, I'm actually not in the she shed. I'm here in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, where our family is vacationing, and I have been studying in the scripture, specifically focusing still this week on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to continue on talking about the spiritual gift of healing, addressing the question, is the gift of healing active in the church body today? So that is what we're going to look at as we dive in. I'm glad that you are listening in. This has been a blessing to study the book of 1 Corinthians more deeply as we've looked at the different gifts. So let's continue on. I want to start with a verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 12 today, where it reads, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So it is without question that the apostles were able to perform these mighty acts of healings. They were able to do just as Jesus did. They were able to cast out demons in the name of Christ. They were able to heal men who were once blind in the name of Christ. They were healing paralytic men who were lame from birth. And they were even able to raise people from the dead in the name of Christ, just as he did. So as the Lord's people today, let's remember that over 2,000 years have passed since the Lord's earthly ministry when he went to the cross, when he would be resurrected, he would ascend. And yet we, as Christ's people, we were not physically there to see the Lord and what all took place during that time. I love the verse in John 20, 29, where Jesus says, because you have seen me, he's speaking to Thomas, one of his disciples, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, there was an entire generation of people who were there from the start of Jesus's baptism in the Jordan to the time of his final breath at Calvary. They walked alongside him as he preached, as he taught, and as he performed the miracles and healings that they were there to witness to see. As as believers today, we did not see the risen Christ. We weren't there. However, we have the confidence as Christ's chosen people that we belong to him because the Spirit of God dwells within us. The Spirit confirms this. And so although we have not seen him, we believe because as his children, this has been granted to us. And so just as Christ had told Thomas, he says, blessed are those who have not seen Thomas and yet have believed. Christ is speaking about us in the church age today who are not present 2,000 years ago. So we know that Christ accredited his word by performing healings, casting out demons, healing the blind, the paralyzed, and also those who had physically died. He showed his great power by bringing them back from the dead, casting out these demons, giving sight to the blind, allowing men lame from birth to walk. And all of this, along with his preaching, that the kingdom of heaven had come and salvation was through no other name under heaven but his. His word was confirmed 
We see that in the book of John, chapter 10, 37, and 38. He says, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. So he needed to show the people that he was who he says he was. And they could not deny the work he was doing. And actually, by doing so, but by denying the work, it condemned them all the more. And we know in John chapter 3, right after it tells us that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It goes on to say that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it for the world was already condemned. So again, all those that believe in him, they're saved, but those who refuse, they remain condemned. We see many denying his miraculous work that accompanied his preaching and teachings in accounts like the paralytic man being healed in John chapter 5, a man who had laid lame for 38 years was healed by Christ. All those who knew this man for the time of his life would have seen that this was a divine act of God, and yet they refused to believe. In John 11:48, we see that the Pharisees, they acknowledged that he was doing acts, mighty acts, but they were more concerned that it would draw the people away from their religious sect causing trouble to be brought upon them by the unbelieving Romans. Scripture reads, If we let him along like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. So remember, in a former podcast, we had talked about how the Jews who were chosen by God, yet they seemed to what to be like all the other nations around them. So they asked for a king. Eventually, because of their pagan acts, their kingdom would be divided into two, which would lead the people of God being carried off into exile and scattered from the land. And it was by the grace of God that his people were allowed back to come together for temple worship to be resumed, followed by a 400-year period of silence. So all the Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah but in the meantime, while they waited, they created their own man-made laws and they missed the point why Christ had come and that he had actually come and that he was actually there. But they were so caught up in their way of living, scared to have what they had worked so hard for, turn, torn out from underneath them that they were actually refusing to possess faith in him that he truly was who he says that he was. So they denied the work of Christ and... And many of them also denied the work of the apostles. So back to the point made at the beginning that there was a select group of people who had been with Christ from the beginning of his ministry. So they saw the work he had done. They heard his preaching and teaching. Just as God the Father had Jesus possessed the power of her demons, the power of her nature, the power of her death, and the power of her sickness, sickness and ailments, the apostles were given the ability to possess the same power in the name of Christ as they went and proclaimed the good news. So back to 2 Corinthians 12, 12, where it reads, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So just as the work of Christ was to authenticate his word, so was the work of the apostles as they were the messengers of Christ to spread the good news. 
So they built the foundation. Christ is the cornerstone. And the church grows upon that foundation into a holy temple in the Lord. We see this in Ephesians 2, 20 through 21. The apostles were building the foundation. And again, in Romans 15, 17 and 18, it reads, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. This is Paul speaking, continuing on in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and round about, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Remember, God was only dwelling among a specific people group, that which being the Israelites, the chosen Jewish people. But when Jesus came to the scenes, he said, I'm going to do something new and he would bring salvation to all people, to all who call upon him. So when Paul here is saying that he is going to make the Gentiles obedient, he's going to do this by preaching and teaching in the name of Christ and also by many signs and wonders by the power of the spirit of God. So Paul was declaring that he did nothing in his own power, but only through the power and grace given to him through Christ. The primary goal of his ministry was to reach areas that had never heard the good news as the go- of the gospel. Just as the primary role of a missionary today is to go into unreached territory to share the good news of the gospel. So, for us to build upon the foundations that the apostles laid is to continue in the work that they had started for the foundation. We are not to build a new foundation. We are simply to build from that foundation. So we are not to attempt to create their foundation again. Let's really get this ingrained into our heads. The work has remained the same and that as Christ followers today, we are to share the good news of the gospel for it is the means in which people are saved. We also see a specific group of 70 that were sent out by Jesus, two by two. And these men, they also, along with the apostles, have the same power to perform the healings that they did while they went out preaching the good news of the gospel. So our healings for today, does the gift of healing still function within the body of the church today? Remember... A spiritual gift is a gift to edify the church body as a whole. It is to edify fellow believers. It is not a gift that is to be used for oneself. And so is the gift of healing active today? And so from all of the research, all of the time meditating upon God's word, it's been brought to my attention that this was a unique gift given to the apostles and to the 70 that were sent by God at the foundation of the church. But it is not a gift that continued to be demonstrated by the growing church members in the beginning of the church age, nor is it for us as believers today. And I know that this is a very controversial issue that is brought up 
in the church because there are many different gifts, those that are gifts related to speaking and gifts that are not related to any words being spoken. And so the gift of healing would have been one that would have been where the apostles were going about and they would have come into a new region, perhaps. They would have began to share the good news of the gospel, which would have been the teaching aspect. They were preaching, meaning that they had told how Christ had come and he had fulfilled that which the Old Testament prophecies had foretold that he would one day come and do, and it was finished. He had done it. And so to accredit their work, while they went about doing this preaching and teaching, they also were healing many people. Now, healings, if we look at the Old Testament and we see what was happening from the beginning, the foundations of the earth, until the coming of Christ, so that would have been in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, and while the prophets were prophesying, so the last prophet that we have recorded in the Old Testament is Malachi, there are actually a very small number of healings and miracles per se that take place over those thousands of years approximately we're looking at about 4,000 years from the time of the creation to the time of the coming of Christ we see very few miracles recorded and it wasn't until Jesus physically came onto the scenes again as he is in a manger, as he's growing up as a young boy and he's entering into early adulthood, it wouldn't be until he was physically baptized into the Jordan, signifying that his earthly ministry had thus began, that we begin to see him performing these numerous miracles, so many that we cannot have them all recorded for us. And those same healings and those same miracles continued on through the apostles for a unique purpose which was to accreditate the work of Jesus Christ as it was for the apostles for they were doing all that they were in his holy name. Now today in quote-unquote churches we see people like one example I'm going to use is a man by the name of Todd White. He is what you would call a word of faith preacher. He is one who goes about in the name of Christ claiming to heal people of certain ailments. One thing specifically that I have seen him do is that he will take people who supposedly have a difference in their leg lengths and it supposedly can cause back problems, neck problems, things like that, and he will heal them in the name of Christ by placing his hands on them and showing them supposedly supernaturally that he can extend the length of one of his legs. This is absolute ridiculousness. This is not the type of healing that Christ would have performed, not to say that Christ couldn't have caused a man's leg to have grown longer if he should have wished to do so, but this man is absolutely gaining a following 
by using the name of Christ to build a platform, which is, in my opinion, a different foundation that is being laid apart from the work of the apostles. These men simply will take pieces of God's word and they will add to it or they will take away from it to suit their own desires. And again, as we had discussed earlier in the book of Revelation, we see where God says that you are not to take away from or to add to the holy word of God. For if you do so, your name will be removed from the book of life, which is the tree of life, which is where all of those who are in Christ when the new heavens and the new earths have come, we will eat forever for all of eternity from the tree of life which is where God will dwell among his people. And so people like Todd White who are doing these things, they are simply misaligning the word of God. Todd White is not the only one. There are many other faith healers. We see these rapidly happening across our nation and across other nations as well. I recently recently was talking to a girl in our life group who said she had been to a concert, a Christian concert, where there are thousands of people sitting in the audience, and it was for one of the new upcoming artists, Brandon Lake. He has a song called Gratitude, which I personally really love the song. It's a, it's a very nice song. Um, we have sung it at sang it our, at our church before. However, I do have a problem with the fact that during his performances, they will go around and they will perform quote unquote healings throughout the audience. And this, in my opinion, is once again misaligning the word of God because I do not believe that healings are going to take place in the church body. Now, with all of this being said, we serve a mighty God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or ask. And if it should be God's will for one to be healed, I believe that he can and will and does do it. There are miraculous healings that take place and it is only because of God's grace and mercy that he has upon people that is all directly related to his sovereignty and his providence and choosing to heal when he does. But I do not believe that if a person does not have enough faith that the result is that they are not physically healed. And that is what many of the word of faith preachers will tell you today. If you are sick, it is because you are unrepentant. If you are sick, it is because your faith is lacking. You need to either give more money. You need to give something up. You need to become more spiritual because you're sick because it's your own fault. 
and I'm sorry, but this is one of the biggest lies that could circulate throughout the church that could do harm to the Lord's people. And so my hope is that for any of you listening who are suffering from some sort of ailment, or perhaps you have a child, you have a loved one who is currently sick right now, and you're wondering, well, why is my child? Why is my spouse? Why is my friend? Why are they not getting better? I have prayed this prayer. Does God not hear me? Do I not have enough faith? Do I need to give more? Why is this healing not happening? Okay, I am sorry. I get a little fired up whenever we talk about this specific topic. So, I apologize if I went a little off there. I'm very thankful to have studied the gift of healing and to have looked at a closer view of what it looked like whenever the apostles were demonstrating this unique gift, what it looked like whenever Christ was performing healings upon the people while he was on the earth and while his earthly ministry was actually taking place. And now I am just so honored to be able to look at God's word for how we can apply it and how we can teach it to the church body today. Now, again, does this mean that we shouldn't pray that our loved ones would be healed and that we shouldn't pray that we ourselves would be set free from physical ailments that are affecting us today. That is not true. We should absolutely present all our requests to God, knowing that he hears them and that he loves us and that our father will give good and perfect gifts. So please continue to pray, continue to lean on our Heavenly Father who loves us so much that he was willing to go to the cross to die in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we would have newness of life, and so that we would ultimately have access to him. Please, Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient. But friends, that does not mean that while we're still in the flesh, while we're on the earth that we will not face trials actually the opposite is true in that as believers we're going to face many different trials because it's the trials of life that will shape us they show whether our faith is genuine will we turn away and curse the name of christ or will we continue to call upon his holy name knowing that there's no other name in which we can be saved. Help us, Father. That is my prayer for the day. I pray for each and every one of you. I say, Lord, I ask that you would help each and every individual who is listening today to trust your plan for their lives, that they would trust your providence, meaning that everything that happens to us God, that it is all within your hands and that as believers, if we are living within your word, if we are confessing our sins, as we are being obedient to your word, let us not be surprised when trials of many kinds wish to tear us down. I pray that each and every one of them would continue strong in the faith and that these trials would actually grow them and that they would seek you all the more through them. 
We thank you, God, that we have the ability today to study your word, to share your word in such a way that we really face no persecution. And we're so thankful for what you have done for us. And so I pray all these things in Christ's name. As we wrap this up today, we'll continue on next week looking at some more of the spiritual gifts laid out for us in 1 Corinthians 12. Thank you guys for joining me today. It was a blessing to talk through the spiritual gift of healing and addressing whether it's active for the church body today. I hope that you all will have a blessed week and I'll talk to you soon.